the message today. I am so excited about today's message. And so what I'm going to do is I am going to start with a story. I love telling stories. Uh, it kind of gives you a little bit of insight into who Brian and I are um, and, you know, lets you know uh, a little bit more personal about us. But a few years ago, Brian and I went on a weekend trip with some friends. We went on this trip to a lake. Our friends, Rich and Kristen, they had a boat. Uh, this was pre-kids. Let's just make sure we just say that it was pre-kids. And so we were going to be on the lake all day. We were going to be hanging out uh, and we were going to go tubing. So tubing is when they pull, pull this huge inflatable behind the boat and you turn and you go. It is a blast. And so Kristen and I start on the tube and the water's a little choppy and so you're bouncing a little bit, going all around, and, but it was so much fun. So then it was time to switch. And so I am behind the wheel on the boat. Kristen is the lookout. The guys are on the tube. And I mean, we're laughing, we're having fun, we're looking at the guys. But at some point, Kristen and I just start talking. We're talking and we're laughing and I'm driving and I'm turning. What we are not realizing is the boys thought we were going a little bit too fast. And so while we're talking and laughing and driving the boat, they are on the back of the tube waving, trying to get us to slow down. And we had no idea until Kristen all of a sudden goes, oh, maybe I should check on the guys. And so she turns around, looks at them and we have to stop the boat the guys come back into the boat, and I don't know what the deal was, but they were like, you are never allowed to drive the boat again, Carolyn. What? We were having fun. We were all laughing. And so they thought I was driving too fast and too crazy. I thought we were just having a lot of fun. Same experience, but two totally different perspectives. So let's just say we had a great rest of the day out on the boat except I didn't get to drive the boat. That's our story. So again, two different perspectives, but the same thing had happened. And you're gonna see how this story ties into the message today. Today, we're gonna to talk about being anchored in the certainty of who God is and what he says. Our first verse of the morning is Hebrews 6, 19, and it says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. This hope, this hope that we have in Jesus Christ, this hope that we have in the word of God. And then it says, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. How beautiful that is. Now, if you've ever been on a boat and you sometimes have to throw in an anchor and you throw in an anchor to secure the boat so the boat doesn't move. You throw in an anchor sometimes in the middle of the storm so that you don't drift off and go to a place where you don't want to go. Jesus wants us as believers of Jesus Christ uh, to be anchored in the hope that is found in him, to have an anchor for our souls. And in these times, don't we need a strong anchor? And everyone said, amen. We need a strong anchor in this season. Now we have an enemy of our soul and that enemy, he wants to feel, fill us with doubt and with fear. He wants to steal our joy and to live a life that is only a shadow of what God wants for us. And church, here's the beautiful thing. We have a choice today. 
We can choose to live anchored in Christ and the hope that is found in him. It's a choice to say, I'm going to anchor my life into who Christ is. Or I can live in fear and live in rebellion to what the word of God says. So what we're going to do today, we are actually going to head into the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to Exodus chapter 13. So I'm in the middle of the Old Testament. I'm doing this one-year reading plan. And so I have, I have made it through Genesis, <laughs> you know. I, I've made it through the other books, and we are now in Exodus. So I'm actually going to take this story today out of Exodus and talk about how we can live anchored in Christ. So to give you a little bit of a backstory, the Israelites, the chosen people of God, they were in Egypt, and they were slaves. They were enslaved under Pharaoh. They didn't have freedoms. They um, didn't get to do what they wanted to do. And then God calls Moses and says, I want you to free my people. I don't want my people to be slaves, but I want to take my people to the promised land. And so Moses, through a series of events, he frees the people and they head off into the promised land. At one point, they have to cross the Red Sea. The Red Sea opens up. They are able to walk through it. Uh, the Egyptians chase them, but God sustains them. Then they come to a spot where they don't have any food, but God provides food. In the morning, there's manna that comes. And so along the journey, God has shown his faithfulness. God has shown that he is with the people of Israel. And so now we come to the spot in verses 1 to 2 in chapter 13 of Exodus, where the Lord says to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So they're almost there. They are almost at their promised land. So Moses gives a mission to these 12 spies. Explore the land that God is going to give us. That's their assignment. Go and explore. See what it is all about. This is kind of like at Christmas time. Imagine me telling my kids, hey, Here's the closet with all the presents you're about to get. I want you to go and explore. I want you to go and peek and see what I'm going to give you. And part of that is to create that excitement. Good gifts are coming. It's so exciting. Can't wait. God has promised. God has said. And so what happens is now for 40 days, the 12 spies are exploring this land. It was supposed to be a land that was flowing of milk and honey. It was supposed to be their promised land. And so in verse 27, we see that the spies have come back and the spies are standing in front of Moses and Aaron, who is Moses' brother, and all of the Israelites. And they're about to give this report of the promised land. And here they say in verse 27, We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they hold up this great vine of fruit just to show the people, look, this is what God has promised. Wow, this is looking good. God is for us. God is with us. But then all of a sudden, in the next verse, the spies say this, However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Wait a minute. We just went from this moment of this is what God has promised us to. <gasps> the people here are strong. The descendants of Anak were intimidating. If you look in the history of the Bible, they were described as giants. They were big. 
And then we can read in the rest of chapter 14 where the spies, they go on sharing about the other people who live there and making the situation even dimmer. So can you imagine if you are all of the Israelites, you are waiting for this great report from the spies and they say it's everything it's supposed to be, but we can't get it because there are giants who are living there. Can you imagine the murmur that starts among the thousands and hundreds of Israelites who are there listening? Wait, what did they say? What? We can't get it? Wait, but it has milk and honey. But oh, there are giants in the land? You see, these spies were speaking from a perspective. And their perspective was that God's faithfulness of the past didn't seem to matter. God's faithfulness from the past didn't seem to matter. And they were speaking from the perspective of they were lacking a trust in God's promises about the future. They weren't looking at God's track record. They only saw what was in front of them. Have you ever done that? I know I have. I've looked at my circumstances. I've looked at my diagnosis. I've looked at my bank account. I've looked at my friends and thought, well, that's never going to happen. I don't know. Is God really for me? Who do I think that God would care about what I need and what I want? And we do that, right? We look from a perspective where for some reason, even though God has been faithful in so many things, we begin to doubt that he will be faithful in the future. Well, maybe he was just faithful in the past, but maybe he's not faithful in my future. Well, I'll tell you this, God is faithful yesterday, God is faithful today, and God is faithful tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, there's this one spy, Caleb. And in verse 30, Caleb speaks up. And he says this, Let's, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. This one spy, he speaks up. He's seeing the situation from a whole different perspective. Now, Caleb didn't say, no, there are no giants. He didn't try to sugarcoat it. And you know what? Faith deals in honesty. Faith isn't about hiding our head in the sand and pretending that there aren't issues. But our faith said, yeah, we didn't expect giants, but you know what? God is with us, and so we're going to be able to do this. And I love this, how Caleb says in verse 30, for we are well able to overcome it. We're not kind of able. We're not sort of able. We are well able to overcome it. Yes, there are giants in the land, but we are going to defeat them. Caleb saw something different. He was looking at the faithfulness of God in the past, and he was looking at the promises that God had in the future. But then in 31, as we continue the story, the other spies, they start saying, oh, no, 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 no. We are not able to go against these people, for they are stronger than us. And in verse 32, we see that they give a bad report of the land. So what happens now? The spies brought a bad report. There are obstacles. We read in the following verses in Exodus 13 that people begin crying. They begin questioning God. And at one point, you know what the people of Israel do? They want to elect a new leader. They don't want to follow Moses anymore. And they want a leader that will take them back to Egypt because of this bad report that was given to them by the spies. But then in chapter 14, Joshua, he was one of the other spies. 
him and Caleb again come before the people and they say this in chapter 14 verses 7 through 9 the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land if the Lord delights in us he will bring us into this land and give it to us and a land that flows with milk and honey and then Joshua and Cable gives this warning to the people in verse 9 and says, Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord with, is with us. Do not fear them. And so what Caleb and Joshua are saying here, the land is good and God's promises are good. God will bring us into this land because God's provision is there. The Lord is with us and God's protection is there. So again, we have two out of the 12 spies who say, no, 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 no. The land is good and God's promises remain. Let's go for it. And then we look as we continue to read in chapter 4. What happens next? The people want to stone them. They want to stone Caleb and Joshua and Moses and Aaron. What? So I'll tell you this, church. Standing up for what is right doesn't always go over well with the crowds. Standing up for what is right. And that is exactly what Joshua and Caleb were doing. So even though standing up right may not go over well with the crowds, standing up for what is right always goes over well with the Lord. And to be honest, that's who we should be pleasing. That is who we should be following. You see, Caleb and Joshua, their faith was anchored in who God was and what he had said. And there was nothing in the eyes of Caleb and Joshua, not even the potential threat of giants that would change their relationship with God or even the threat of their own people. You see, there are blessings that come when we trust God. When we say, God... I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to stand on your truth. And then God, through that, will give us his blessings. But then there are also consequences for when we don't trust God. And so as we continue to read in chapter 14 there in Exodus, there is a punishment for the Israelites after this. Those who did not believe God's promises and wanted to go back to their old lives, they actually weren't allowed to enter into the promised land. You see, God said, you don't trust me. You don't trust my faithfulness. You don't trust the promises that I have for you. You would rather live in slavery than to stand and apply my truth to your life. Their disobedience to God resulted in them not getting to live in the land of milk and honey. So how does that apply to our lives today? This story from the Old Testament and the spies giving their one report and Caleb and Joshua giving a different one. Well, in our time today and in our certainty today, if you go ahead and you look at um, news articles, you will see that people are self-medicating with alcohol and pornography and with food. People are reading anything and everything that they can about the coronavirus. There is so much misinformation that is being spread all over the internet right now. And people are sharing parts of articles or parts of statements. People are hiding in social media and online gaming and also in movies. People are isolating themselves emotionally 
and even to one spot withdrawing themselves from people. In this season, we have people who are contemplating suicide, living with higher levels of fear and anxiety. Their anchor is not secure in the middle of the storm. How's your anchor today? Are you anchored to the rock of your faith? Are you anchored to the rock of your salvation? One cool thing that I saw this week um, on Facebook, I had a friend who posted a video and it was a hospital in the US. And what had happened was some people had shown up outside of that hospital and they had put up speakers and they were playing worship music outside of the hospital. And then you would see on the roof of the hospital that doctors and nurses and aides and other staff came out and they stood on that roof. And the song that they were playing was Waymaker. God is a Waymaker. Even when I cannot see it, you're working. Even when I cannot feel it. And that is one of the most beautiful things that I saw this week, because here where there's doctors and nurses who are in the midst of all of this, trying to treat patients and seeing people die, but they're standing on the rooftop building of that hospital to say, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And even when I can't see it, you're moving. So friends, God is moving in your life. You may not see it. You may not feel it. Your circumstances may not affirm it, but I'll tell you, God is moving. I shared this last week with you guys. He's not sitting back and being worried and wondering, oh, what are we going to do? No, he is working. He is answering prayers. He is doing things that are even greater than what we can realize. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things of the present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can separate us from the love that God has for us. Nothing. Not the past, not the future, not the powers and principalities of this world. Because God's love is so strong. So when God doesn't heal, I get to choose to believe that God is still good. When I lose my home, I get to choose that God is still for me. When I get sick, I still get to choose that God is my protector. When my children are hurting, God still has a plan. When my career doesn't take off, God's promises still remain. When I feel abandoned, God is still present. Why can I say these things? Because my faith is anchored in Jesus Christ and who he is. Not my circumstances and not my perceived circumstances. Can I get an amen? Right? He is solid. Now, if I'm anchored poorly, guess what happens? I don't just put my boat in danger, but I put other people in danger as well. Because a boat that is not anchored well and gets loose will hit all the other boats on their way, even though they may be anchored. So we have to be positioned correctly, my friends, to be, anch to be anchored to something that will hold. Amen. 
The ten spies didn't anchor their boat securely. And it caused an enormous ripple effect leading to people not being able to walk into the promised land. We've got to anchor as followers of Jesus Christ, anchor our boats securely into the rock. Honest question, and I ask myself this many times in my faith, how much more does God have to do in order for me to trust him? How much more does God need to do in order for me to trust him? How many more times does God have to prove himself that he is good and he is just and he is merciful, that he is full of grace, that he is slow to anger? Is it not enough that God sent his son Jesus to this earth to take my sin, to die on a cross so that I could have life and life abundantly, so that I could stand blameless before God, that I could ask for forgiveness and forgiveness would be freely given to me? What if God didn't answer another prayer in your life? Now, even as I say that, I'm like, no, 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 no. God, I want you to answer prayers in my life. I'm not saying to, to tell you to stop praying, but what if he didn't? What if he didn't answer another prayer in your life? Does that mean he's no longer good? Does that mean he's no longer faithful? But now let me flip it. What if God answered every single prayer you've prayed this last week? Would you pray differently? Would you pray with more faith? Would you pray with more hope? What kind of prayers would God answer? And so my challenge to you and I in the season as we anchor our lives to Jesus, let's pray bold, strong, powerful prayers that align themselves with the word of God. And let's see what God will do through it. Let's see what God will do through it. If this is maybe the first time you've ever listened to a church service online, Maybe you have never uh, had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're coming to one of my favorite parts of our messages and our services. And that is you have an opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your life. Maybe once before you were a believer. Maybe you walked closely with the Lord. But, you know, life happened. And things got in the way. And all of a sudden God wasn't that priority in your life. Well, I want to tell you today that God is standing with arms wide open and saying, I am here. Welcome home. And so if this is a moment for you where you say, you know what? I've been anchored in all of the wrong things. I want to anchor my life to Christ. I want him to come into my life. I want him to forgive my sins. I want him to become Lord of my life. You know what I want you to do? I want you to fill out that prayer card that we have. And I want you just to write in there and say, today I made a choice to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And as you fill out that prayer card and send it to us, we're gonna send you some resources to help you, show you where to get started. And um, this is a great opportunity. And as you welcome Jesus into your heart, you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna stand there with arms wide open and say, welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my daughter. For those of us who have walked with Jesus a long time, I'm gonna come back to our opening verse in Hebrews 16, verse nine. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. And this is the beautiful thing. And as it says there in that second part of the verse, it leads us through the curtain 
into God's inner sanctuary. The stronger my hope is in Christ, the more intimate and personal my relationship becomes with God. The stronger my hope is, the more I get to know God, the more he's going to reveal himself. Um, the more he's going to show me his goodness and his grace, his faithfulness, his love. And so can we in this season say, God, I'm anchoring even stronger. I'm digging in even deeper into the word. I'm digging even more into prayer. I'm going to listen even more to worship music. I'm going to put aside those things that may try to come between me and my relationship with God. I'm going to anchor in and I'm going to be a person of hope and I'm going to be a person of faith. And so let me pray for those of you who are accepting Jesus for the very first time into your life as your Lord and Savior. And for those of us who just say, it's time, it's time for me to anchor in. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you can show us in the story of the Israelites and what happened with the 12 spies, Lord, that we can trust you. We can look at a situation and we can see it either for the way that the 12, 10 spies did or the way that Caleb and Joshua. And Lord, I pray that we would have a Caleb and Joshua perspective, that we would look of your faithfulness in the past and hold on to the promises of the future that you have. I thank you for the men and women today, God, who are accepting you into their life for the very first time as your Lord and Savior. Lord, I thank you, God, for the party that you are throwing in heaven right now. I thank you, Father God, that they are going to know what it means to have a personal relationship with you. It's not about religion. It's not about do's and don'ts, but it is walking in the full freedom that is found in you. And so, Lord, remind us as we wake up in the morning to walk in your faithfulness, to walk in your gratefulness, Father God, to walk in your peace, to walk in your love. May we not take this season to be crippled by fear, but let us walk in the hope that you have for us. And so, Lord, wherever we're watching, whether we are sitting at the kitchen table, on our couch, or on our bed, in our car, wherever we may be listening to this message, God, speak specifically to our heart. And may we have ears and a heart to hear what you have to say. In your name we pray. Amen.